Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number nine, the power of a righteous life. You know, I worked at Thakal Chemical Corporation just shortly after I got saved. And, uh, you know, I, I'd never really worked in a corporate job, didn't understand a lot of things about the corporate world. But anyhow, so so I was there and there was a, a, one of my supervisors was a black man, really nice guy. And uh, I enjoyed working with him. And so we were talking about something that was going on on the job one day. And we were riding in a truck. The buildings were so far. We worked with explosives. And so the buildings were very far apart. So that if they if one of them blew up, it wouldn't blow everybody up. And so we were riding from one building to another. And so we were talking about something that was going on with some guy that was there. And I said, well, and I talked about, you know, that I, I would like to talk to the guy. And I said, you know what? I said, there's only two kind of men in the entire world. And he got kind of indignant on me and looked at me a little funny. I had no idea why he was looking at me that way. He says, oh, uh, and I suppose that's black men and white men. And I said, no, that's saved men and lost men. And I talked to him for a few minutes. I said, you know, one of the great things that I love about what I get to do is, I said, every person that I meet at that moment in time, I and the only thing standing between them and eternity. And I get the opportunity to influence what their eternity is going to be. You know what? That's been my position from the day I gave my life to Jesus. Every time I stand in front of someone, I have the opportunity to influence their eternal well-being, their eternal outcome. And I, I just have to tell you, you know, people hear me tell these stories about going out and evangelizing and reaching the lost, and they think, oh, man, uh, you must, you're just a natural for that. I'm like, no, I'm not. I never liked doing that. I, I did not enjoy that. I, I tell you what, I used to go out downtown Huntsville at night, and uh, I would pull my car up and park on, uh, on the square downtown, and I would pray, and I'd just say, Father, you know I don't want to be here, and you know I don't want to do this, but something in me just keeps drawing me back out to ministering to these people. And I can't tell you how many times I would pray. I'd say, I'm going to get out of this car. I'm going to walk around this block one time. And uh, if I don't find someone that I can minister to and help, I'm going home. Well, I, I got news for you. Every time I ever prayed that prayer, I would never make it around the block without finding someone to minister to. And it, it's an amazing thing what it does for us when we get to minister to and encourage and help other people. I'll tell you, I have made it through some of the darkest times in my life, times that I look back and, I, and wonder how in the world I survived some of the hardships I was going through. And I'll tell you, one of the main reasons was that I kept ministering to people. I kept witnessing to people. I kept, I kept reaching out to people. I, I want to encourage you and today we're, we're talking about the power of a righteous life. I, I hope I'm going to open the, the floodgates for you and help you come to understand a way to minister to people, to touch people's lives that is not religious, that's not 
poking them in the chest and and condemning them and and, and that sort of thing. You know, we, we've got this idea that if we don't win people to Jesus right on the spot, then we are not doing our job. Well, you know, the Apostle Paul said that that uh, some people, you know, some people uh, lay the foundation, some people reap. Jesus even talked about the difference between those who sow and those who reap. And we've just got to be enjoying and thankful for the fact that we get to play some kind of role in people's lives. But what I'm telling you is this. When you learn how to minister to people out of the influence of your life, not only will it be incredibly easy, it will be so fulfilling and so rewarding. You know, in Matthew 5, 16, uh, Jesus was speaking, and he said something here that uh, uh, I, I'm telling you, today, uh, you, you almost have to be apologetic for some of the things that Jesus said. I mean, there are groups of people that tell you, you can't follow Jesus' teaching because he was a teacher of the law. No, he wasn't. He was he was a teacher of the kingdom of God. And he, as such, he taught about the heart and how to influence the heart more than, more than anything else. But, you know, Jesus said uh, that we need to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Now, I'm telling you, there are people that will make you feel like that a passion or a desire for good works is, is a horrible, carnal, uh, legalistic thing that you shouldn't even be worried about, you shouldn't even be concerned about. And I'm just telling you, uh, the entire Bible from beginning to end gets, uh, gets into how those who walk with God uh, have the opportunity to be an influence on other people, really just through the quality of our life. Matter of fact, Jesus goes on to say that he is the light of the world, and then he says that we are now the light of the world. Now, as the light of the world, I want you to understand, our primary role as, as the light of the world is the fact that we are shining a lot, or our, let me put this way, our good works. And that's what Jesus said. He said, let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. And so our good works, not because we're out trying to earn something, not because we're out trying to prove something, but just the fruit of walking with God, the fruit of living a righteous life um, should be something that shines a light on what the real walk of faith is. It shines a light on what it means to have a relationship with God. Shines a light on how good it can be to to be born again and to be to be walking with God. And that's what the world needs to see. You know, the, the world is not going to read the Bible, and the world, unless they're opening up their heart and crying out to God because they want to know God. They're, they're not going to have the heart to see and perceive God, see and perceive who God is. So the real truth is the only Bible the world is ever going to read is going to be the Bible of our lives. You know, in First John, the fourth chapter, you know, the Apostle John is talking about some things. I, I remember I used to think, what in the world, First John 4, 12, in the middle of talking about the love of God and talking about all this kind of stuff, it says, it says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. And I remember thinking, why in the world is this passage of Scripture tucked in here at this place where it is? Well, it, because that is what he is saying. 
is that nobody's going to see the love of God. Nobody's going to know who God is unless they see it in us. They're going to very specifically see it in us because we love one another. But you notice that it says that uh, uh, when people see that we love one another, then they see that God abides in us, but also they uh, that his love is being perfected in us. In other words, his love is being brought to the goal. His love is getting beyond just us. You know, it's amazing today how many people just think trying to discover the love of God is uh, that in and of itself is going to is going to make them whole. Well, that's really not true. The love of God is the starting place of a relationship where we fall in love with Him, and then ultimately we fall in love with other people. And stop and think about it, the, the destruction, the heartache, the loneliness, the sorrow that nearly every person in the world is going through today is the fact they don't have meaningful, loving relationships. And so, and so we have this opportunity to enter into this loving relationship with God, but we have been made to feel like it's just all about uh, Him loving us, Him loving us, Him loving us, Him loving us. Well, you know, we love Him because He first loves us, but his, his love is not perfected. His love does not accomplish the purpose for which he is pouring it out if we don't fall in love with him and if we don't begin to love other people. Uh, I've said this several times in this series. You know, uh, Adam and Eve totally failed. They were supposed to use their authority here on planet Earth to show the world who God was, to show God the world, the righteousness of God, the character and the nature of God, and and they failed. And then the nation of Israel uh, was really supposed to show the pagan nations of the world how wonderful life could be when they were experiencing a loving relationship with the Father. They failed. And then the church was supposed to do the very same thing. And now the church has failed. You know, ultimately, Jesus is coming back. He will establish his kingdom here on planet Earth, and he personally will rule and reign, and he will accomplish in planet Earth what no group of people have ever, ever, ever been able to accomplish. And you know what? I'm thankful that he's coming back. I'm thankful that he's going to do it. I think that we're going to rule and reign with him. I'm thankful that by the time he comes back, we will have gone through a transformation, and we will you know, we'll walk with him, we'll serve with him, but basically we will be a part of helping establish uh, the world in the goodness of God. So God wants his love to be perfected in us. He wants it to reach the goal, and that goal needs to be, as much as anything else, it needs to be us taking his love to the world around us so that they can actually see who God is. Now, this is what the Bible would call good works. You see, the only way the world is going to see God is in us. And they're not going to see it in us being pious and going to church and being religious and and you know all of those all of those kinds of things that we consider to be truly spiritual. Basically, they're going to see it if we treat them the way God treats us. And if that's what happened, by the way, if if that means that you're going to be mean and judgmental and critical, then you are not experiencing God. You're experiencing your religious imagination of God because 
God treats you exactly how he tells us to treat one another. He never lies to us. He never hurts us. He never kills us. He never uh, uh, slanders us. He never puts us down. He, you know, all of these things that he tells us not to do, he doesn't do any of those things. All the things he tells us to do, he does because he's not a hypocrite and he wants us to be his representation uh, uh, or his representatives, his, his ambassadors here on planet Earth. You know, Ephesians 2, uh, Ephesians 2 is one of those great scriptures starting in verse 8 where it says, you know, that we're saved by grace through faith and uh, not of works, as he mentioned both. But then it goes on and says something in verse 10. It says, now we are his workmanship. So the grace of God, if the grace of God is working in us, I hear a lot of people talking about the grace of God, but then out the other side of their mouth, they talk about how that character doesn't matter. Good works don't matter. Like I say, sometimes it's, they make you feel like you're doing something nasty because you're because you're committed to good works. But this grace of God that works in us uh, actually transforms us so that we become his workmanship. But listen to this. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God desires that we walk in his good works. And as we read earlier, uh, according to Jesus, when people taste and see the goodness of God in us and in our lives, and when we give witness to the fact that of how good God is, that this draws people to him. Matter of fact, you know, the apostle Peter says over uh, in 1 Peter 3, I think it is, he says, look, he says, he says, you, you need to be ready to uh, to give people an answer when they ask you about this hope that's in you. Why, why do you have hope? Why do you live godly? Why do you treat people fairly? Why, you know, why are you honest? And, and he says, be ready to tell them why. And it's not, it's not just because you will please God. You know, uh, I had used to purchase a lot of real estate, flipped a lot of houses and and so uh, I'd gotten I'd gotten a, a landlock on a house, and 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 uh, some people were really, really, really doing me really uh, unfairly. And so once they got me a landlock, they broke the deal that we made about the house I was going to purchase from them, jacked the price up on it. And so, uh, you know, one of my one of my gangster buddies, you know, found out about it. And so I was talking to him one day. And he said, you know, I'll, I'll take care of this for you. I said, what do you, what do you mean you'll take care of this? He says, he says, I'll burn the place to the ground and then you'll, you'll be able to buy it just for the property or the price of the property. And, you know, I was able to say, you know something, that is the most generous thing anybody's offered to do for me in a long time. I said, but the honest truth is, I don't really think that uh, that would be the way Jesus would handle it. And, you know, I got to witness to somebody, I got to witness to somebody uh, who really normally would not let a believer witness to him. I tell you, when we are fair, when our word is good, when we pay our bills, when we, you know, when, when we don't cheat and lie and that sort of thing, uh, people notice it and we get opportunities to be a blessing. And remember, every time you are standing in front of somebody, at that moment, you are the only thing between them and eternity. And maybe if they don't know the Lord, then that means their eternal well-being. But if they do know the Lord and struggling, maybe you're going to get to be the person who's going to get to encourage them, get to bless them and bring, you know, and bring them out. You know, 
when you think about works, the Bible talks about good works and dead works. Those are two forms of works that are juxtaposed one against the other. Now, dead works are works that you do apart from faith, um, and you are doing them to try to earn some kind of favor with God. And one of the very first foundations of the faith uh, is that it's to repent from dead works. You got to give up the idea that there's anything you can do to manipulate God or to force God to do stuff for you. But good works, on the other hand, uh, this is the fruit of what comes out of our lives when in our hearts we are committed to walking with God and, uh, and, and we're allowing the righteousness of God to work in us. Remember, righteousness is not self-righteousness. It's not religious righteousness. Righteousness is accepting God's morals, values, standards, and ethics, accepting God's definition of what's good and evil, and treating people good, treating them the way he would treat them himself. You know, I, I often talk about the difference between good works and dead works, and, I, and I, I've always I've used this story for decades. So you might have heard me tell this before. But one of the ways to understand good works and dead works is that the only difference between good works and dead works is your motive. Why are you doing that? And uh, so, just imagine there's two people who live side by side, and they go to the same church, and so. Uh, you know, during the week, Bob is over here saying, man, I can't wait till Sunday. going to go worship, going to fellowship with people, and uh, going to enjoy God. And then Bob's next-door neighbor, Dave, is thinking, man, Sunday's coming. I'm tired. I've been working hard all week. I really don't want to go to church, but I got to go to church. If I don't go to church, then people are going to think I'm a I'm a pagan. So, you know, one is going because of how how he would look. The other the other is going because he looks forward to interacting with God, fellowshipping with people. So you 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 get there to church and so so you know the music is playing and Bob and Dave both have been working a lot of overtime that week. So Bob is is dragging and he's kind of tired and and so you know he, he doesn't feel very enthusiastic about worshiping. But he he decides, you know, I'm just going to close my eyes. I'm going to connect with God in my heart. I'm going to, I'm going to make this about interaction with God. So he does. That's good works. Well, Dave over here on the other, other hand says, you know, I don't really want to worship. I don't feel like worshiping. I'm tired. I've worked all all week long. But man, if I don't, you know, if I don't if I don't worship, then uh, uh, what are people going to think about me? Well, so Dave's dead works. Bob's good work. And so then it comes time for the offering to come around and. And, you know, both of them have worked hard. They got some overtime this week. And Bob is Bob is like, you know what? I want to give. I want to be a blessing. Uh, we got some special stuff going on in missions. And I want to I want to help our missions department. And so good works. So Dave, on the other hand, is like, is like, man, I've worked hard for this. I, I, you know, why should I give up this money that I've worked for? Well, if I don't, God's going to curse me. He's probably going to take it away from me anyhow. So. I got to give to keep God from hurting me. Dead works. So, you know, you, you can just go down a list of behavior after behavior after behavior after behavior. And the only difference between good works and dead works are, in fact, it's all based on the motive. And so, uh, you know, we don't ever want to do anything to convince, try to convince God, try to manipulate God, try to force God to do anything or to try to get God to do something that the truth is he is already 
committed to us that in Jesus is ours. Our faith's got to be in Jesus and in his works, not in our works to, to force God to do something for us. You know, uh, one of the things that Jesus did in Matthew chapter 5, he made this distinction between how our righteousness affects us and God and how our righteousness affects us and the world around us. You know, I call that the difference between the horizontal uh, factor and the vertical factor. You know, uh, uh, we read scriptures in the last message where we were just talking about all the things that come into our life as a result of just living a righteous life and how that we, we you know, we get direction, we have favor with people, uh, we prosper. All these things just happen when we are committed to living a, a righteous life. And, uh, and so these things are happening because of our interaction with people. And so this is more about what's the horizontal effect of righteousness. Now, the horizontal effect of righteousness and the vertical effect of righteousness are completely different. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Look, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy it, but I have come to fulfill it. That word fulfill does not mean do away with. It means to bring it to its fullness and, and bring it to, to where it accomplishes the goal that it's supposed to bring. And then he begins talking about, you know, different things. And, and he gets down to where he is talking about uh, you're standing there worshiping. You're getting ready to give an offering. And suddenly you realize that your brother has alt against you. Now, we read this, and, and because of the King James English and the lack of understanding the customs and the times, we think that our brother having alt against us is that, okay, we've hurt their feelings, we've had some kind of a conflict or, or that sort of thing. But actually what he is talking about, what he has against us is a judgment. He has a, or we owe our brother money and we have not paid it. And so he says, he says, now lay your gift there on the altar. Don't take it with you because you'll take it and spend it. He says, lay it on the altar, go find your brother, and basically settle this thing with him. And, uh, and he said, because if you don't, he may take you to the judge, and the judge will take, or take you to the court, court take you to the judge, and then the judge will throw you into prison, and you will not come out until you have paid the very last cent that you owe. And so he's talking about the fact that that uh, there there are civil consequences to how we treat people. There, uh, so much of the law has to do with civil consequences. And um, sadly, the father, our judicial system gets away from the law and the commandments of God, the more corrupt it gets and the and the more wicked people become. When there are no consequences for behavior, then fools never learn, and they get worse and worse and worse. And the more they get by with, the more wicked and violent and uh, uh, horrible they become as people. And so it's kind of interesting. In that example that Jesus is giving, we're, we're getting this realization that, you know, God can forgive us for something, but that does not mean we have been relieved of our responsibility uh, to those around us. 
You know, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, the movie Old Brother, Where Art Thou? I, I love that movie. There's there is a, a scene in the movie where uh, one of the one of the hillbillies uh, named Delmore or Delmar he gets he gets saved, and so Delmar starts talking about to one of the guys that's with him how that uh, uh, how that the the governor of the state of Mississippi won't send him to jail because his sins have been forgiven, and uh, George Clooney who is playing the know-it-all in this. He says, "Well, you know, the Lord may have forgiven you from those of those sins." He says, "He says, but uh, it's a whole different thing with the state of Mississippi." In other words, yes, God may forgive you, but the courts haven't forgiven you. We have responsibilities to the people around us, and for us as believers, our responsibilities uh, are to treat those people in ways that make them see the goodness of God. You know, we can forgive people and they can experience forgiveness because they see it in us, but that doesn't mean that they are alleviated from their civil obligations to pay money back that they've borrowed, to, you know, to take care of business, to keep the word, to not lie, to not mess with your wife or your girlfriend or your kids or, or, or that sort of thing. So I, I, want you to, I want you to realize we have to be aware that there are these horizontal benefits and there are these vertical benefits. Well, the vertical benefit is we can always have peace with God because we know he has declared us righteous. Uh, on, on the horizontal level, we know that God will personally work in our hearts to help us responsibly manage and deal with these responsibilities that we have, but we, we can't run out on. I'm going to read several script, scriptures to you here. And, uh, you know, you could just look up the word good works and uh, in any, any uh, blue letter Bible or whatever and, and find uh, references to the good works. I'm just going to run through these really quick because we don't have much time left. First Timothy 6, 17 says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works. Titus 2, 7 says that in all things, we should show ourselves to be a pattern of good works. Titus 2, 14 says that we should be zealous of good works. Titus 3, 8 says, says that those who believe in God should be careful to maintain good works. Titus 3, 14 says, let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs uh, so that they will not be unfruitful. And, and so you, you go down these scriptures and you start realizing, actually in, in 1 Peter 3, 12, it says that we need, to, we need to observe good works so that people who watch us will glorify God in the day of, of visitation. Listen, the world can't see God. The world, they don't know anything about how good God is. But the world can can see, and here's the incredible thing. If we are people of integrity, the world will expect us to be self-righteous, judgmental, and critical. And sadly, religion does that. Religion gets you where you think that if you're if you're doing right, treating people right, then that gives you the right to be judgmental and self-righteous. No, I'll tell you what really touches the world is when an honest person is merciful. When a person that pays their debts can forgive people who have debts. In other words, when they see a godly person 
being willing to be merciful and kind and patient. That says more to them than just seeing somebody that does everything right. Listen, the world needs to see Christ in us. Uh, they're not going to know what he looks like if we don't show them. And if we don't show them the righteousness of God, the goodness of God with mercy and kindness, then we're really not showing God. Listen, I hope you got a lot out of this series. Uh, check out Impact International Ministries and see what we've got for you. Got thousands of videos that I think will be a blessing and a help to you. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.